Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 27 of the Fantasy Law Guide podcast. I'm Nick Grisco, fantasy analyst at fantasylawguide.com, at fantasylawguide on Instagram. It's game day, week one matchups. Let's go. Hakeem dropped the ball! Hakeem dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What do talk about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It's my quarterback. What the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep a trick the ball down the field, boys. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. I mentioned on Thursday's episode that week one is going to be wild this year. And it's wild every year, but especially unpredictable this season because of the lack of offseason thanks to COVID. No mini camps, no OTAs, no preseason. I've said it before. So we're just kind of going off last year's info. And very minimal training camp reports either compared to normal years because of new rules. So expect the unexpected today. And I'll do my best work to try to get you through that lack of clarity with your week one lineup decisions. And to that note, we want to be siding with players whose roles that we're confident in, right? Like we want we want to be hesitant playing players on new teams or players who are questionable with injuries, or rookies, or players in rotations until we see the usage in week one. Because again, we couldn't see that in preseason. And for week one, we have mostly healthy players, although there has been an abnormal amount of injuries in week one this year. But on our benches, we have mostly healthy options. So you will see in this podcast today in lineup decisions that I'm leaning towards players that don't really have question marks. Week one is already hard enough to predict, and this year, even more so. So I want to be starting players who I'm confident in their roles, in their usage, and not necessarily where I drafted them. It's a long season, and we can figure out the rest later. So we have a lot of matchups to cover today. I'm going to try to do this as fast and efficient and as detailed as I can. It's a tough combination, but let's get started. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks are traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. This game has shootout potential as long as offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer lets Russell Wilson air it out. There's been talks of that this offseason. Schottenheimer is frustratingly one of the most conservative play callers in the NFL despite the presence of Russell Wilson, a top three quarterback in the NFL. And Wilson wants to be unlimited this season. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you got to be unlimited. You know, you got to have a thought process of being unlimited. And week one against a porous Atlanta defense in a dome is a great place to start. This is a great matchup on paper for the Seahawks offense. And Wilson looks like a top five play today. I'm also, of course, using Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf whenever I can. And the Falcons' secondary is going to have some trouble matching up with the Seattle duo. At cornerback, Atlanta is trotting out rookie A.J. Terrell in his first start. And Darquise Denard, who just signed with the team a few weeks ago. And the nickel corner spot is unsettled. So Lockett and Metcalf, I've spoken about their target shares being high. The Seahawks' number three wide receiver is Philip Dorsett right now. Lockett and Metcalf should be in starting lineups, even if it's at a flex position. And the matchup... Is not as great for Chris Carson, but the Falcons were surprisingly above average in run defense last season. But you're probably starting Chris Carson if you drafted him in rounds three or four. I'm going to be interested to see how much Carlos Hyde plays in this game. There has been talks. Pete Carroll been talking Carlos Hyde up, kind of even saying that they're going to use them in tandem a little bit. I'd be a little worried about that if I did draft Chris Carson but that's just something to keep an eye out on. Carlos Hyde's always been that type of player who's frustrated fantasy football drafters because coaches seem to like Hyde a lot more than fantasy managers do. So the Seahawks defense is built very oddly, and they're kind of working from the back to the front, which is against conventional NFL wisdom, which follows the opposite approach. 
The Seahawks have stacked their secondary and linebacking cores, and they've kind of disregarded their pass rush as important. And according to Evan Silva at ETR, the Seahawks ranked dead last in quarterback hit rate and bottom three in sack rate last season, and they lost their best pass rusher, Jadavian Clowney. So this makes Matt Ryan a really intriguing option because it seems like he'll have time to throw, but can his receivers get open against a very stout secondary in Seattle? The Seahawks have two good corners, arguably three if you include Marquise Blair and nickel corner in there, and they also have two good safeties now that they signed Jamal Adams. Or excuse me, they traded for Jamal Adams. But Julio Jones Julio, get the stretch. must start every week. And I see Calvin Ridley as more of a middle-of-the-line option this week. I'm okay with using him if you need to. I'm not expecting a huge game, but I think the volume that the Falcons receivers will receive, literally, will carry them. And the Seahawks yielded the third most fantasy points to tight ends last season, making Hayden Hurst a solid play despite the presence of Jamal Adams. It is his first game with the new team, but apparently Hayden Hurst and Matt Ryan have established a good rapport of the offseason So we are probably using Hayden Hurst in our lineup. I'd be hard-pressed to think of 10 tight ends over Hayden Hurst that I would want to start in Week 1. So Seattle, they ranked 23rd in run defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metrics. And I think their run defense will be vastly improved with Jamal Adams now in the fold. I wouldn't really feel comfortable starting Todd Gurley until we see it. But you are likely using him in week one if you drafted him. But if you follow my draft board, you aren't going to have that issue because you certainly did not draft him if you follow my draft board. So Todd Gurley, you know, if you have him, you're probably trotting him out there. If not, then don't even worry about it. Okay, Cleveland Browns at Baltimore Ravens. The Browns hired Kevin Stefanski, a run-first coach who oversaw Dalvin Cook's breakout season last year. And they accordingly spent... This entire offseason changing philosophies to a run-oriented team. They drafted Jedrick Wills, 10th overall, to play left tackle. They signed right tackle Jack Conklin, extraordinary run blocker. They traded for a fullback. I mean, who trades for a fullback unless they want to establish the run? They are putting an emphasis on two tight end sets this year over three receiver sets. And the story will be how can they use or how are they going to use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together? And if you think the Ravens are going to win and Vegas does, the Ravens are favored by eight. Then this sets up for a Kareem Hunt game script rather than Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt's likely going to be preferred back on passing downs. But I'm not too confident throwing Kareem Hunt into lineups until we see it. That's another one of these usage players that I'm kind of fading in week one for players that are more in roles that we are confident in. So even though it sets up to be a Kareem Hunt game, I am kind of a little weary about starting him out of the gate. And I do think you want to start your studs, which is Nick Chubb, even though the Ravens are favored by eight, and even though they did vastly improve their run defense this offseason. They traded for Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf. They drafted Patrick Queen in round one. They took a defensive tackle in round three of the draft. You aren't sitting Chubb if you drafted him in round two simply because it's the Ravens. And it's worth noting that Chubb actually tore up the Ravens last season. It was his best game of the entire 2019 season was against Baltimore. But I do think this is a tough matchup, especially if Lamar Jackson and company get ahead. So his floor is concerning. If the Browns can't keep pace with Lamar Jackson, I think Cleveland will try their damnest in the first half to control the clock and keep Jackson and company off the field. But this is also a difficult matchup for Odell Beckham against the Ravens corners, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith, all of whom are talented. I think Beckham is still usable, given that the game flow, if the Browns are trailing, will work in his favor. And because Jarvis Landry, not expected to be at full strength in this game following his offseason hip surgery, I told you guys repeatedly over the offseason, I don't trust this hip injury. I would not be using Jarvis Landry in this game, even if I did draft him on a team, which... You did not if you followed my draft guide. I want to see that his hip is 100% and that he's playing a full-time role before I start him. And this is also a tough matchup anyway. Austin Hooper also has a tough matchup as well. The Ravens were excellent against tight ends last season. But I think this game at least sets up in Hooper's favor with game flow. So I'm okay with using him if he's your starting tight end. For Baltimore, this is a very cozy opening matchup for Lamar Jackson as long as the Browns don't 
have their way with their new and improved offensive line and control the time of possession, control the clock with their running game. Mark Ingram needs to be out there in starting lineups for fantasy football. When the Ravens are favored by more than a touchdown, which they are here, he is a good bet to score and a good bet to kind of grind the clock out. Justin Forsett is inactive in this game, so the Ravens have three running backs. Uh, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, who it's his first game. I'll be watching the usage of Dobbins, but I'm not starting him this week. And also Gus Edwards. Um, I am starting Marquise Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews in every league I drafted them in, which is, of course, a lot. The Browns' defensive weakness is at safety and linebacker, and they're starting inside linebacker, and Mac Wilson is out for this game. He's been ruled out for injury, which sets up well for Mark Andrews to feast in this game. I think it is a blow-up spot for Mark Andrews, and it's a great opening draw for him. I'm predicting that Marquise Brown is this team's featured receiver, and while Denzel Ward is a good cornerback who would present some challenges for Marquise Brown. I think the Ravens will try to get him open in an effort to surprise the league now that Brown is 100% healthy. And the Browns are going to be without number two cornerback Reedy Williams and number three cornerback Kevin Johnson in this game. So as long as Hollywood Brown can evade Denzel Ward's coverage, as long as Denzel Ward doesn't shadow him and follow him around, the opportunity is there for Hollywood to have a big game out of the gates. And I'm hoping he does so. So moving on, New York Jets at Buffalo Bills. There is a weather issue in this game. Uh, it's supposed to be, there's two games that are going to have potential weather impacts here. The This is one of them. There are supposed to be high winds in this game, and not too, too high, more like 15 mile an hour winds. And there's probably about a 40% chance of pre- precipitation, I can't say that word, of rain, I should say. Last time I checked the weather, So keep that in mind. Josh Allen, who would be in a normally good position here, it may be more difficult to throw. The Bills may have to lean on the running game here. And this is important because a lot of people are picking this game as their survivor game. It's a very popular survivor pick, and Vegas has only favored the Bills by six, which initially seems low. And this weather is not going to help the Bills be able to score points It seems like a trap, doesn't it, Peppy? Be careful, it might be a trap. For the Jets, the only players that I'm starting in this game, or I should say the only player that I'm starting in this game is Jamison Crowder. He should get the majority of the Jets wide receiver targets in a trailing setting. He had 27 combined targets against the Buffalo Bills last year, which is an insane amount. And the Jets, Denzel Denzel Mims, their rookie wide receiver, he is out for this game. And Rashad Perryman has also been dealing with injuries. It looks like Mims is out, but Perriman is in, and Chris Hogan will be the other outside wide receiver. And those of you who are regular listeners and have followed my draft guide, you know how I feel about Le'Veon Bell this year, but in case you're new and you didn't draft him, I'm worried about the game script in this game. I'm also worried about Adam Gase using Bell in a committee with Frank Gore. As crazy as that sounds, it's something that Gase seems like the worst he would do. I hope that that Gase doesn't legitimately use Gore seriously, especially at the goal line, but I don't know. I could see it. The Jets are trotting out four of five new offensive line starters against the ferocious Bills defensive line. The Bills do have some injuries on defense. They're missing cornerback Josh Norman, and they're missing. They're going to be missing a lineman or two in this game. And Chris Herndon, popular tight end sleeper, but this is a tough matchup, so I'm inclined to wait and see with the usage for Chris Herndon, hoping that Chris Herndon and Jameson Crowder can be the guys for this Jets offense, which the passing game could be a little underrated because they're going to be trailing in games. Sam Darnold, I think, is still a, a pretty good quarterback who finished strongly last year. So, But yeah, Jameson Crowder, the only receiver that I feel okay about playing in this game. For the Bills, this is a tasty spot for Josh Allen who I'd probably rank as a top six quarterback this week behind only Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Russ Wilson. Although I will say that the weather does have me a little concerned. It's going to be tougher to pass if the winds are at 15 miles an hour. The Jets' defense is just so sorry following the losses of C.J. Mosley and Jamal Adams. So I'm starting Josh Allen with confidence uh, on all teams, but I don't think this is probably a blow-up spot. I just think it's a comfortable spot where he should throw for 200 yards and should score at least two touchdowns. Uh, But because of the weather and because I do think that the Bills should comfortably win this game, I don't think, you know, we're going to see five touchdowns from Josh Allen or anything like that. So anyway, I am also a little more hesitant of using Stephon Diggs, 
who gets a really nice draw in his debut with Buffalo, the Jets cornerback, where their best cornerback is their nickel corner, Brian Poole, but they don't have any players who can really match up with Diggs. Uh, so he may get open a few times deep. So the question is, will Josh Allen be able to put the ball in the money, especially considering the wind? Stefan Diggs is a boomer bust every week. I would like him a lot more if I knew that this game was like in a dome or the wind wasn't going to be a factor. But you know, nobody should be surprised if Stefan Diggs beats the Jets secondary and gets open deep for a long game and possibly a touchdown. So you didn't draft Devin Singletary using my guide. But you did draft Zach Moss. I'm expecting an equal timeshare out of the gate. I'll be rooting for Moss each week to outproduce Devin Singletary so this backfield can be more of Moss's own. But I'm not starting Moss in any league unless I'm desperate that I drafted him in for week one. Again, we want to see the usage there. I'm projecting a 50-50 time split, but we really have no idea if that's going to be the case. Again, we weren't able to see anything in preseason, and Zach Moss is definitely somebody I would have wanted to track his usage in the preseason. All right, moving on. Las Vegas Raiders at Carolina Panthers. This has sneaky but shootout appeal here. And I think a lot of DFS players are going to be on this game for that reason. The Panthers defense may be one of the league's worst. So we're going to be aggressively targeting them as a team uh, that you want to start your players against like all season long. And I can't overstate how bad this defense projects to be. So this is a potential smash spot for Josh Jacobs on the ground. And Carolina gave up an NFL record amount of rushing touchdowns last season. And they lost several defensive line starters. Uh, and they also lost strong safety Eric Reed. And they also lost Luke Keekley, who is a pretty good football player. So hopefully Josh Jacobs not ignored in the passing game here. But definitely feeling comfortable and confident starting Josh Jacobs. This is a good spot for him. His schedule does get a little harsh in weeks like two through four so hopefully he has a big game here Derek Carr has streamer appeal everybody has streamer appeal against this defense I'm comfortable using him in super flex for sure the Raiders pass catchers Henry Ruggs Darren Waller Hunter Renfro Brian Edwards all have sleeper appeal as well but I don't know which one to start but even given the great matchup I'm hesitant to start any of them because I don't know who the preferred targets will be and if you ignored my draft board and you drafted Darren Waller, yeah, sure, you can use him here. If you're not going to use him against Carolina, who are you going to use him against? But otherwise, I think the best play here is to kind of be patient and hope that one of these pass catchers on your benches, like if you're stashing Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs, for instance, has a strong week one so you can feel more confident about using them later. For Carolina, the Panthers will try to win with Christian McCaffrey in a short passing game with Teddy Bridgewater, of course. I think I'd rather use Derek Carr than Teddy Bridgewater in this game as a streamer, but I'm okay with Bridgewater in Superflex leagues, of course. The Raiders are very youthful in the secondary, and they're a little slow-footed as well, which is suboptimal against the speed of Carolina's pass catchers. This is a great opening matchup for DJ Moore, but for guys like Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, it's the same thing with the Raiders' pass catchers. You want to be banking on... Continuity, one banking on stability here. The Carolina Panthers have new offense coordinator. They brought Robbie Anderson in, so we just don't know exactly how they're going to use those two. So in week one, when we have other options on our bench, I am leaning towards going with options we're more comfortable in their role, despite the good matchup here. So I'm only using Curtis Samuel or Robbie Anderson or Robbie Anderson in a in a in a big pinch there. Uh, which I don't think you will have in week one unless you're in like a really deep league. All right, Chicago Bears at Detroit Lions. For the Bears, David Montgomery, highly questionable for this game. I've been, it, it's it's early, early on Sunday morning. On Saturday, last I checked, he was expected to actually give it a go. But we will see. You'll have to watch that. Um, I'm not really comfortable using him either way if you have other options. He's coming back from his growing strain. It'll be his first game back. He hasn't really been able to get... Um, conditioned you're not really able to move when you have this type of injury well so you'll have to be patient with him I'm only really starting Montgomery if I have just no other running backs that are going to see a substantial role this is a pretty good matchup for Montgomery which is a shame that he's likely either going to be miss it be missing it or limited for it the Bears will try to employ some combination of Tariq Cohen or Cordero Patterson Cordero Patterson at running back if Montgomery sits um, their main skill sets are pass catchers Again, I'm trying to avoid Chicago running game, especially even if Montgomery plays. Allen Robinson, who I faded this offseason along with DJ Moore, actually has a great matchup in week one, uh, just like DJ Moore does. And they're probably going to make me look stupid in week one. But Robinson gets a Detroit secondary that let Darius Slay go and replace him with rookie 
Jeff Okuda, who was the number three overall pick. Anthony Miller has sleeper appeal here in favorable matchup. And likely, you know, he might be without a full-strength Montgomery to feed. But it's too early probably to take that chance on Anthony Miller without bye weeks or injuries and stuff like that. That is the common theme of this matchup. But Anthony Miller, if you're in a pinch, he does have good sleeper appeal here. And I do like Anthony Miller to have a nice breakout season for the Lions. It looks like they'll be without Kenny Galladay for this one. He did not practice Thursday or Friday with a hamstring tweak he sustained in practice. I'm not using him even if he does play. Uh, you do have other options on your bench. It is week one. It's not like you're dealing with bye weeks or anything like that. Uh, he could be a decoy if he plays. I don't know how much he's going to play if he does suit up. So, yeah, if I had any Kenny Galladay shares, which I do not, I would not be using him this week. What's what's the point? I mean, you have other guys who are healthy on your bench. Uh, the Bears' cornerbacks are the weakness of their defense. And if Galladay can't go, Marvin Jones is a more attractive option. Galladay's absence would also be a huge boost to second-year breakout tight end TJ Hawkinson, who have really been rising on late in the process. I think Hawkinson's going to have a breakout second season, and I'm cool with starting both Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson if Kenny Galladay doesn't play or if he comes out that he's going to be limited. I think that TJ Hawkinson... I think I'd probably start him over a lot of those back-end tight ends like Austin Hooper or, or Hayden Hurst or or Hunter Henry or Gronk. TJ Hawkinson likely would be like a top eight start for me uh, for tight ends this week. And as far as Matt Stafford goes, uh, Kenny Galladay's absence obviously hurts Matt Stafford, of course. But I think this is a middle-of-the-road start this week. Matt Stafford's matchup could be better than it looks because Robert Quinn, defensive end for the Bears, starter, he is out, I believe, and Khalil Mack, obviously all-pro defensive end, is questionable for this game, so keep an eye on that. If Mack does sit, I think this is a pretty solid matchup, actually, even against the Bears. Um, Remember, Eddie Goldman, their defensive tackle, is also, he has opted out for this for, not for this game, but for the season. So, but yeah, it, it, even though he's a great run stuffer, I'm not using any of the Detroit Lions backfield, including DeAndre Swift, uh, who I didn't draft on any teams, but if you did, it's just a little too early. They might mix in Adrian Peterson there, carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, obviously. What if Bo Scarborough gets goal line? I mean, we we don't know if Scarborough will even be active, but either way, this is just a tough backfield situation um, to be riding in week one and taking that chance on. I would rather take the chance on the Colts backfield situation, even though it should be a time split. And the Colts against the Jaguars, they do look to try to control this game with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. This is the other game that have might have potential weather issues. And we're not talking big weather issues. We're just talking rain here. And we're just, it's like, uh, I think it's a 50 to 60% chance of rain. And I do think the winds could be a little more than 10 miles an hour. And that's not that much. It's not anywhere where you have to sit your players. But it's just worth noting because it could be a tiebreaker on matchup decisions. There's only two games in this entire slate that have weather issues. Again, we're not into the winter yet. So overall, it is a good week in terms of weather for fantasy football. The Colts, again, will try to control this game with their running game with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Mack will get the start over the rookie. But this is the ideal opening draw for Taylor in his debut against a probably a tanking Jaguars team. So you can totally envision a scenario where he just runs wild against a pathetic excuse for a defense in Jacksonville. Still, Mack will get the first shot. I'm okay with using both of them, honestly. And they could both rush for like 70 yards in a score if they're used in tandem. But if you draft a Taylor, you want him to steamroll this team and leave Mack in the dust ASAP. I'm less okay with using Naeem Hines here. I think he's a potential sleeper this year with Phillip Rivers peppering him out of the backfield like he does with so many running backs in the past. He could be this year. He could be Phillip Rivers, Danny Woodhead, or Austin Eckler. Uh, There's just Darren Sproles. There's just so many running backs that Phillip Rivers has utilized in the backfield, even dating to the days of Ladanian Tomlinson. But for this game, it doesn't really set up well. The Colts are favored by six by Vegas. So Naeem Hines, more of a player that you want Rivers to be targeting or Rivers will be targeting when he's trailing. So this is not a great week in terms of game flow to be starting Naeem Hines. But it is a good week to be streaming Philip Rivers. A lot of a lot of popular streamers 
at quarterback this year, uh, at quarterback this week, I should say. There's a lot of good opening matchups for like guys like Phillip Rivers and and Big Ben and I mentioned Derek Carr and, and Tarod Taylor later, and there's also uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So, I mean, you're not really starting them over your starters because there's no bye weeks and stuff like that, but it's just another reason you should be playing in super flex leagues. I mean, we want these guys on the field and starting for and mattering for fantasy football, but either way, Phil Rivers, if you're in some kind of quarterback bind or something like that, you know, I'm not, it's not crazy to start Phillip Rivers or one of those guys that is named over like a Tom Brady. If you think the matchup is really brutal, which we'll get to that in a second, but the Jags may be the worst team in the NFL. So yeah, I like Phillip Rivers this week. I think he's a safe play. You're starting T.Y. Hilton for sure. He has a great opening draw. I like Paris Campbell as a sleeper here, but we probably should wait and see for his usage here. For Jacksonville, I'd prefer to use Rivers over Gardner Minshew this week. Minshew could be a garbage time king this season with Jacksonville constantly in trail mode. It could also be pretty ugly. I mean, we don't really know what to expect out of Gardner Minshew this year. I was hesitant on drafting him, but I do see under Jay Gruden, pass-happy offensive coordinator, who's had a lot of success with fantasy quarterbacks and the Jaguars being the bad team that they are, I could see Gardner Minshew, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he puts up a top 15 season. I was just a little worried because historically, when you have the worst team in the league, their quarterbacks are not good. I am using DJ Chark where I have him. It's a middle of the road matchup in terms of the Colts cornerbacks. But again, Chark's best value could come in the second half of games where teams are in prevent defense and Jay Gruden should use Chark all over the field. He's by far the best Jaguars receiving option. As far as the running game goes, I'm projecting a near-even split between running back Chris Thompson and undrafted rookie free agent James Robinson. Both of them, Chris Thompson and James Robinson, should be um, rostered in 12-team formats. I think Robinson will start, and I think he will get most of the early down work for however long that lasts. But I've discussed at length why Chris Thompson could be a sleeper this season under Jay Gruden uh, in pass mode. And Chris Thompson, probably the better bet in PPR formats. Jane Robinson, probably the better bet in non-PPR formats. But I would want to make sure in free agency both of them are picked up in 12-team formats. Especially, you know, if it's a full PPR, maybe Chris Thompson, lean there. But if it's maybe half PPR or non-PPR, I would probably lean with, I would probably go with James Robinson here. Because he is going to be the starter and the Jaguars have really talked him up a lot. Again, both should be rostered. This is unclear backfield. And we know that a divine Azigbo has gotten hurt. And we know that the Jaguars have just signed Dari Gumbawale, the old Panthers, I mean, sorry, the old Tampa Bay pass catching running back there. But it's unlikely that he's going to have a significant week one role. And Devonta Freeman visited with the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, but he did not get signed. So he remains a free agent. So that uh, puts a lot of confidence in a guy like James Robinson. So moving on, Green Bay. Oh, to be very clear, I don't feel comfortable starting either of them yet. We want to see how this plays out. If I had to start one again, I would go Chris Thompson in full PPR, James Robinson in half PPR or non-PPR. All right, Green Bay at Minnesota. Devontae Adams enters a smash spot here against a Vikings team that lost all three of their starting cornerbacks in free agency, if you include the nickel. That's right, they lost their three top corners in free agency. Both of these defenses were pretty good last season. But I expect them both to be worse this season, making both quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, kind of middling quarterback plays for teams that will try to focus on running the ball. Both Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones have nicer matchups than their quarterback based on their coaches and based on their matchups. Uh, Each running back had a lot of success against their respective opponent last season, as in Dalvin Cook had good game against Green Bay and Aaron Jones played well against Minnesota. And neither of the quarterbacks had a lot of success against their respective opponents. So this looks like a game that might end early, right? Because both teams are going to be running the ball uh, as much as they possibly can and can try and control it that way. The Vikings are missing Daniil Hunter, their best defender, arguably. They're in the, definitely their best pass rusher. So that is good news for Aaron Rodgers. And both quarterbacks have only one legitimate receiver. So it remains to be seen. Who's going to step up for the Vikings at receiver? Justin Jefferson, you're not starting him this week. He had a slow start to the season. He might not even start and because he, he hasn't earned a starting job yet. And and for the Packers, Alan Lazard or Marcus Valdez-Scantling, we don't know who's going to be Aaron Rodgers' preferred number two target behind Devontae Adams. But yeah, this sets up for a great game for Devontae Adams for the usual suspects, Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook. Again, Aaron Jones, I think he's going to start 
better than he finishes this season because I think they're going to use A.J. Dillon more as the season progresses, probably not out of the gate. He is a stash that you want to hold on to in 12-team leagues or higher. So New England against Miami. Cam Newton hasn't exactly put on a clinic in training camp by all accounts, but he is a starter and he is facing a Miami defense that was terrible last season. The Dolphins did make some improvements on the defensive side of the ball, and Newton may be rusty, but the Pats are still favored by 6.5 in this one, so Vegas has somewhat trust in Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. Newton is a risky start uh, who could have like 150 yards passing and two interceptions and be rusty. Or he could have 50 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, or he could throw for two touchdowns. He could do all of that. We don't really know. The lack of running game for New England could be a positive for Cam Newton, as I expect the lead backs to be James White and Rex Burkhead, neither of whom I would be comfortable starting. Sony Michelle will also likely be involved, too, on early downs. We just don't know how healthy he is. This is a running back by committee to avoid. Damian Harris is out for this game. He's out until at least week three with a hand issue. Julian Edelman is the best Patriots fantasy option, maybe the only Patriots uh, skill position option. The Dolphins have two strong outside cornerbacks, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, but they are starting a rookie at the nickel spot. So this is a spot that you want to be playing Julian Edelman. If there's ever a game you ever want to be playing Julian Edelman, I know you drafted him late, but yeah, I'd try to fit him into starting lineups here in the flex. So Mohamed Sanu was cut aiding Julian Edelman's outlook. And Nikhil Harry, he's questionable for this game. I do think he is going to play. But again, he will not be at full strength. So Harry is somebody that you may want to stash in 12-team leagues but not start. But again, it kind of solidifies Julian Edelman's role in this game. So he's the only Patriot I feel really comfortable playing this week. As for the Dolphins, I'm likely avoiding this matchup altogether, right? Like Jordan Howard is a fade because of the projected negative game script. He's one-dimensional, only going to be used as early downs, not in the passing game. So he should be useful when the Dolphins are winning, but that is not expected to be against week one or in week one against the Patriots. I think that uh, cornerback Stephon Gilmore will want revenge on Devontae Parker. Parker schooled him in week 17 last season, was one of the only players to do so. When the Dolphins did upset New England, causing them to miss their bye week, and they got knocked out by Tennessee. So New England should be ready to play in this game despite losing a bunch of key defenders to opt-outs. I'm still using New England's defense here with confidence with YOLO quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side. I think that the New England defensive backs will handle the Dolphins receivers well. Devontae Parker's battling a hamstring injury. He's not 100%. Preston Williams is coming off the torn ACL, so I'm out on them this week. This makes Mike Jacecki somewhat appealing in this matchup. Uh, I'm okay with starting him. Uh, I view him as a top eight option as well, probably the seventh or eighth tight end, right right around that TJ Hawkinson range uh, that I would feel starting Mike Jasicki this week. Uh, Pretty good. So hopefully he has a good game. I view him as a a sleeper this season. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles against Washington Redskins. Oh, excuse me. There was my first slip up of the podcast, I guess. They are not the Redskins anymore. The team formerly known as the Redskins, the Washington football team. Uh, Washington does have a fearsome front seven. The Eagles may use Boston Scott out of the backfield as a receiver to help kind of slow down the football team's pass rush and to make sure that the football team does not dominate the line of scrimmage. The Eagles are missing all pro Brandon Brooks in this game. Uh, Lane Johnson. They're great right tackle, and Carson Wentz has way worse splits when Lane Johnson misses games. The Eagles' offensive line is just banged up. Johnson is questionable for this game, so keep an eye out for that. I I do expect him to play, but he's going to be hurt. And again, Carson Wentz plays a lot worse historically when Lane Johnson is not active. Um, And they pulled Jason Peters out of retirement to play left tackle. Actually, it was to play guard, but he had to move to left tackle because Brandon Brooks got hurt. So the Eagles, weak guards. So yeah, this is a game where the Washington football team could dominate the line of scrimmage with their fearsome front seven and pass rush. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington football team pulled off this upset, especially because Miles Sanders is also not playing. Do not have Miles Sanders in your starting lineups. This is why I waited till Sunday to do this podcast because we always get some surprise inactives on Fridays and Saturdays. So hopefully you're able to listen to this this morning. Miles Sanders, not able to go. Uh, Get him out of lineups. Boston Scott is the handcuff there. Boston Scott, definitely worth picking up in uh, even 10-team formats. I don't know if he's worth using in 10-team formats this week, but I would say yes in 12-team PPR formats. Uh, but definitely worth rostering for sure. Corey Clement, probably worth rostering as well in 12-teamers. But again, I'm not using Corey Clement. He may get early down work. I would feel more comfortable about Corey Clement if he wasn't dealing with a quad injury, but he is expected to play, of course. He's not even on the injury report, but he was dealing with it last uh, week in practice. Boston Scott should be the starter. 
Boston Scott should get at least five catches, so he's good for PPR formats there. Uh, but again, he's not somebody that I'm just like chomping at the bit to start. He is a Darren Sproles-like running back. I think you have a good but not great PPR game. The Eagles will start Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Arthega-Whiteside on the outside, and probably Greg Ward in the slot at wide receiver. Marcus Goodwin opted out. Jalen Rager uh, is expected to play, but he's expected to have a limited role coming off the shoulder injury, and it's his first game as a rookie. I think they're going to take it slow with Jalen Rager. They need him this season. Alshon Jeffrey also not expected to play. I think he's already been ruled out. Rager probably won't be at full strength. I'm not comfortable using him yet, but I am okay with stashing him in 12-team formats. Uh, Washington's defensive weakness is at corner. Deshaun Jackson roasted this team in week one last year uh, for eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. On the wide receiver, one finish on the week in week one last year. He missed like pretty much every other game after that. I think this will force extra attention to DJX, uh, but I'm using him as a flex option in a lot of leagues. The extra defension, defensive attention to DJX may open up things for Zach Ertz, who I think will have the best game among Eagles pass catchers. And as long as Dallas Goddard, of course, doesn't get in the way. So Carson Wentz, middle of the road matchup here. I would be a little nervous about starting him. I think Deshaun Jackson is kind of the DFS chalk. I think pretty much everybody using him because his salary is cheap in DFS. And I think there's a lot of people just because of last year expect him to have a blow-up game. I'm not quite so sure about that. I think Deshaun Jackson will have a solid game. But he's not somebody that I'm looking to start over like everybody just because he's playing the Washington football team and just because he roasted them last year. We uh, last year in week one, and just because the Eagles are missing receivers, I think the Washington football team will be on making sure Deshaun Jackson does not beat them in week one. So we will see. The Eagles have a strong run defense, uh, but the athletic and versatile Antonio Gibson can beat you in other ways. I'd like to wait and see with Gibson ideally, but I recognize that a lot of teams, especially recent drafters, don't have that option. So I'm okay with playing Gibson in the flex. I think that um, he will be the top option in this backfield. From the get-go, with a little bit of like Peyton Barber sprinkled in on early downs, maybe some Bryce Love, maybe J.D. McKissick, but I think Antonio Gibson will get the majority of playing time, and I actually think he's going to have a pretty good game in Week 1. Scary Terry McLaurin. is going against Darius Slay, but that wouldn't make me fade him solely because of that. He'll command a lot of targets when the Washington football team is losing. They are projected to be losing, although I think this will be a pretty close game. Steven Sims, PPR sleeper of mine, he's worth a stash if you have an extra roster spot in 12-team formats. So go ahead and add Sims in PPR formats, Um, but you don't need to start him this week. But we just want to see if he can carry over his strong finish from 2019 to 2020. He could be kind of a security possession guy for Dwayne Haskins, who does not have a strong offensive line. Okay, moving on. Los Angeles Chargers against Cincinnati Bengals. This is at Cincinnati. A lot of injuries in this game. Stalwalt defensive tackle Geno Atkins is out. And he is Cincy's best player on the interior. I would say that this gives Austin Eckler a beautiful week one matchup. However, it's worth noting that Eckler is going to be missing some offensive linemen at well, which may neutralize or kind of mitigate that that advantage that he may have. He's missing center Marquise, uh, Mike Pouncey, I should say, and right tackle Brian Balaga and right guard Trey Turner are questionable. He could be missing the whole right side of his offensive line. I would want them to play before starting a guy like Torod Taylor in Superflex Leagues because Taylor does have streamer appeal uh, if his offensive line is healthy enough. But if he's missing the entire left side of his O-line, even even this, even though this looks like a tasty matchup against the Bengals, defense which should be missing their cornerback LaShawn Sims and cornerback Trey Waynes to a pec injury and safety Strawn Williams, who's also a starter there, even though that's three potential starters in the secondary. Uh, without this offensive line, if they're missing three of their five starting offensive linemen for the Chargers, that's just tough uh, to be to justify using Terod Taylor despite his mobile ability. Although, you know, if Brian Balaga plays, if Trey Turner plays, I am okay with using him there. Obviously, you're going to be using Austin Eckler, and this is a potential great game for him to open the season. Keenan Allen. I also like him a lot today. I think Keenan Allen, uh, I mentioned that they're missing two of their corners and their safeties, the Bengals are. So this sets up well for a Keenan Allen game. Mike Williams is questionable for this game. If Mike Williams doesn't play, even if he does, he might be limited. If he's if he doesn't play, Keenan Allen is set up for a great game. 
I'm not too sold on Hunter Henry, but I think if you drafted Henry, you probably should be using him in this game. The linebacking core is burnable for Cincinnati. Um, I was down on Allen and Henry uh, this year in fantasy football, but I think that if you did draft them, this is probably a week that you do want to play both of them. Uh, William Jackson there is a good corner, but Keenan Allen is using the slot a lot, so he probably should avoid him. For Cincinnati? We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. I don't love the matchups or for the pass catchers here. The Chargers have two excellent cornerbacks, Casey Hayward and Chris Harris. I would be using Keenan Allen over any of the Bengals receivers. Chris Harris does play the nickelback position. Uh, at times he moves into the middle. So Ty, Ty, Tyler Boyd likely won't be able to avoid him just because he goes into the slot a lot. I wanted to play the wait and see strategy with AJ Green anyway, and I would be doing so in this brutal matchup against Casey Hayward, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the game. And this makes, because of the pass catchers have bad matchups, it makes me hesitant to play Joe Burrow out of the gate because I think this could be a low-scoring game. The Chargers defense is very talented despite you losing Derwin James at strong safety. Uh, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa should have a field day against a poor Bengals offensive line and make things difficult for Joe Burrow in his first start, especially because I mentioned the cornerbacks, uh, the tough cornerbacks against the wide receivers. Although the Chargers have brought reinforcements uh, like Kenneth Murray at linebacker and Linval Joseph at defensive tackle, their run defense was terrible last season, so Joe Mixon should be the main source of ball movement for Cincinnati today. Okay, Arizona against San Francisco. There was talk about this game not being played uh, or postponed because of poor air quality, the fires near San Francisco. It sounds like everything is clearing up but it might have ramifications here. Kyle Shanahan has said that it, it looks worse than it actually is. Kyler Murray gets a tough draw on paper, but I think the Niners' defense is going to take a step back, and Kenyon Drake should get the green light after Arizona limited him in training camp with a minor injury. He's supposedly 100% healthy. He's off the injury report. I think the fact that Arizona played it so conservatively with him is a good sign that he'll get most of the work ahead of Chase Edmonds. Edmonds remains a must-stash, but not a must-start by any means. I'm not using him this week, but I am stashing him in leagues that I can. Make sure that he's rostered in all 12 team formats. You never know if Kenyon Drake is going to hold up as the bell cow back. If he does, uh, I think he's a must start pretty much every week, even in this tough matchup, because first of all, he had a good game against the Niners last year. But second of all, Kenyon Drake should be used in the passing game as well. This is a fast paced offense. So yeah, I like Kenyon Drake pretty much every week as long as he's healthy. I'm really interested to see how Arizona uses receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Richard Sherman, one of the, still one of the best cornerbacks in the game. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Still a really good corner, but he plays solely on the left side of the field. That means that he could square up with either DeAndre Hopkins or Christian Kirk on the outside mostly. It's unclear whether Cliff Kingsbury want to move DeAndre Hopkins around to avoid that. And maybe Christian Kirk is stuck with Richard Sherman. Christian Kirk, obviously a boomer bust play pretty much every week, especially this week, because he either may get Richard Sherman or he might get the more burn burnable corners. Seattle's, or sorry, San Francisco is pretty weak at cornerback outside of Richard Sherman. Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella are going to be playing in the slot. Dan Arnold at tight end. This is such a great supporting cast for Kyler Murray, so I'm excited about Murray this season. Arizona's defense, they sucked last year, so this is a smash spot for Raheem Mostert. I would be pretty nervous, actually, if I was playing Raheem Mostert in fantasy this week, which I am doing so in a couple of leagues. I wish I had at least one share of Raheem Mostert on my teams. Tevin Coleman has sickle cell trait, and he may not be able to play much or at all in the smoggy air conditions in San Francisco. Jarek McKinnon will likely play passing downs, but this could be Mostert's game, seeing as the Niners are favored. The Cardinals were dead last in fancy points allowed to tight ends last season by a wide margin. They simply could not cover them. It was a running joke within the fantasy community to play your tight ends against Arizona every week, no matter who they were. Arizona drafted Isaiah Simmons eighth overall to kind of try to combat that weakness, but we'll see if he can handle the elite George Kittle. Obviously, I am starting Kittle, and Kittle has a potential against this defense to put up, you know, a touchdown and at least 70 yards on, I don't know, seven catches. A reminder that the Jimmy Garoppolo is missing some receivers here. Debo Samuel is out for this game, and Brandon Ayuk is battling a, he's not 100%. He may play, he may not. Brandon Ayuk is battling that hamstring issue, I believe. So either way, you're not using Ayuk, but it could set up for a game where Jimmy Garoppolo uses the two his two tight ends, Jordan Reed and George Kittle, 
and goes in two tight end sets more than using receivers out there. It makes Kendrick Bourne a really, really deep sleeper in case you need it and like you're like in a 20-team league or a 16-team league. Kendrick Bourne, pretty solid sleeper this week as a possession guy. Maybe even Trent Taylor. We will see Jimmy Garoppolo, another streamer option against this Arizona defense despite missing the, his two starting wide receivers. Or yeah, actually, Brandon Ayuk may play, so we don't really know. But yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, still good options there against this defense. So he's an attractive sleeper. Uh, Debo Samuel, he is going to be on short-term IR. Uh, this is why I say to avoid injury risk in people who are already hurt in fantasy drafts. Debo Samuel, it was, you know, it, it's a win for the injury pessimist in me who thought he was going to miss games and other experts did not. Uh, however, you know, obviously I like Debo Samuel as a player and I want to see him get well soon. So Tampa Bay, New Orleans, this is a great matchup here. I mean, I'm, I'm NFL schedule makers really did it right, putting Brady and Breeze against each other. Both run defenses are outstanding. Uh, so in this game, I'm not starting Latavius Murray. I'm not starting Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Uh, we have to see how the Bucs are going to use their backfield. LaShawn McCoy may play some passing downs. He may sprinkle it in there. Rojo will probably get the start in at least the first opportunity, but I think Fournette will eventually be starting as the primary ball carrier by midseason. But again, Saints run defense was excellent last season. Uh, they are missing Marcus Davenport, a great run defender, but I am not using the Tampa Bay running backs at all. Um, and I'm not using Latavius Murray either because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were also an outstanding run defense. So Alvin Kamara signed his huge contract extension. Good news, he is good to go. But most of his work and production will likely be done in the receiving game in this one. Mike Evans, true game time decision. I'm not playing him whether he suits up or not. Marshawn Lattimore has had his number in a big way in the last few games. He's really kind of erased Mike Evans and... Mike Evans may be used as just being a decoy, and he's got the hamstring injury. You never know if he's going to pull up limp. It's just a situation you want to avoid. Chris Godwin, this makes his matchup much better, uh, especially because with the Saints, they have two good outside corners in Janoris Jenkins and Marshawn Lattimore, but Chris Godwin's moved often into the slot where he'll be facing Pat Robinson and some combination of P.J. Williams. So yeah, definitely uh, fire up Chris Godwin. He's got a great opening matchup against the Saints, who again are weak at the nickel cornerback spot. And also, this is a game where the Saints are projected to win. So Tampa Bay may be trailing positive game flow for Chris Godwin. They'll have to throw. So I think Tampa Bay's tight ends uh, will work in a three-way tight end rotation, O.J. Howard, Gronk, and Cam Braid. If I had to pick one, I would actually pick O.J. Howard over Gronk, but we will see how they're going to be used. I'm not starting in any of them until we get more clarity here. I think this game will be lower scoring than most believe. I don't love Breeze or Brady in this matchup. I would prefer Breeze if I had to pick. Uh, Michael Thomas dominated Tampa Bay twice last season. You're using him. Uh, they may shift coverage over to him, and that would that would open things up for Jared Cook, who I am starting, and Emmanuel Sanders, who I'm not starting yet, but I think Emmanuel Sanders, better real-life player than fantasy. He should be able to take advantage of the shifted coverage over to Michael Thomas. Um, moving on to Sunday Night Football here, Dallas Cowboys at Los Angeles Rams. This will be a fun matchup, I think, uh, even though I expect – Dallas to win. It is at Los Angeles, so it could be close, but I think it's going to be a fun matchup because these are two of the uh, most fast-paced teams and it's two of the most ha pass-happy teams as well. It's a great spot for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. The Rams ha do have two amazing defenders in Jalen Ramsey at cornerback and Aaron Donald defensive tackle, but Jalen Ramsey going to be spending his time probably covering Amari Cooper in shadow coverage, if I had to guess. So I'd be weary about starting Cooper, honestly, especially because he's dealing with the injury. We don't know if he's 100%, but I love Dak Prescott this week. Love, love, love Prescott this week. I think he's going to have a big game. Zeke probably also going to have a big game. Uh, hopefully they both score two touchdowns apiece. Hopefully, you know, one of them doesn't steal from the other, but Michael Gallup also is a giddy-up situation. Giddy-up. CeeDee Lamb, also a good matchup if you you know, are feeling frisky and you want to use CeeDee Lamb in his first game as a rookie. This is a good matchup for him. The Rams, this is a three-way running back by committee situation uh, where Malcolm Brown will likely get the start because he's the veteran. He's got experience. Cam Akers will likely play a good bit. I would guess that Cam Akers leads the team in snaps by the end of the game, but I'm not using him here. Daryl Henderson will also play on obvious passing downs. He is questionable for this game, but I do expect Henderson to play. But either way, I'm just not using the Rams running back. This is a kind of wait-and-see approach here. Uh, again, I know that feels like a cop-out, but it's week one. 
Uh, I, I mentioned my whole spiel about how I am leaning to being conservative in week one and going for more defined roles here. We can we have the whole season to see what's really going to happen in week one. I don't want to be risk trotting out Cam Akers and then he gets, you know, seven carries for 30 yards and one catch. You know, we do, we just don't know. It's a running back committee. We don't know how it's going to be used. Akers is somebody who might excel later on in the season, but, you know, we'll see. that, And that's my whole point. I don't feel comfortable starting him this week. So, Moving on, Jared Goff in this game. I like but not love Jared Goff. On one hand, it'll be fast-paced, high-scoring, and it's at home, like I said, where Jared Goff plays well. On the other hand, he does fold under pressure, and Dallas' pass rush projects to be pretty good. Everson Griffin, um, Demarcus Robinson, even Alden Smith looks like he may uh, be a thing this year. Can the Rams' offensive line contain them? I'm not really sure. I am optimistic, though, about Goff in this passing game in general. You're starting Robert Woods. You're starting Cooper Cup. And even Tyler Higby, who I'm really interested in in this game. Uh, I'm, go- I'm really interested to see how he's going to be used this year. One of the most polarizing players in all of fantasy football this offseason. I hope he carries some of what we saw la- late last season over into this season. Uh, I am on Team Higby, and I am the minority in that amount. So I am rooting for Tyler Higby to have a good game here. And I think the matchup is good enough uh, against the Cowboys to, if you drafted him, to use him. So moving on, Pittsburgh and New York Giants is at New York. This is Monday Night Football here. And we love this opening draw for Big Ben and James Conner. The Giants project to feel one of the worst defenses in the league. Many people are expecting a Steelers blowout here. So fire up James Conner. Fire up Juju Smith-Schuster. And I would say fire up Big Ben. Uh, if, if you're, especially if your starter is weak, maybe, you know, I'm not opposed to using big Ben over, you know, maybe even a Tom Brady or over even uh, a Matt Stafford against the bears, or maybe even over a Carson Wentz against the Washington football team. I mean, I'm, you know, these are guys that have middling matchups. I don't think it's a sure thing. You should start big Ben over them, but I just think that big Ben's has a great matchup and I feel very comfortable starting him in week one. So keep an eye on Eric Ebron who I think could be a nice free agent waiver wire add if he scores in week one. Deontay Johnson is risky because he's not 100%, uh, but I'm okay. Actually, I don't. I want to say I'm not okay with using him as in the flex because if he doesn't play, this is Monday Night Football, you're not going to be able to change that. Again, this is not a noon game on Sunday. So if Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson, who is questionable for this game or, or more, sort, more towards probable, if he doesn't go, for whatever reason, maybe the Steelers think that they can win this game without him, which is very possible, then you're not going to be able to change your lineup in time to get another receiver in because this is Monday Night Football. So I would say fade Deontay Johnson this week and hope that he burns a Giants secondary that he should, and then you'd feel more comfortable about or confident about him going forward. For Big Blue, I am sitting Daniel Jones against this Tough Steelers defense. The only Giants player I feel good about is Saquon Barkley, and that's mainly just because of volume. The matchup is tough for everybody. Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league. Golden Tate may not play in this game, so you need to take him out of lineups just the same as Deontay Johnson. Tate is more is less likely to play than Deontay Johnson. You don't want to even risk starting him and having him sit out, so keep him on benches this week. Sterling Shepard is my favorite Giants receiver, but this is not the week to be playing Sterling Shepard or any really Giants pass catcher, I should say. If you drafted Evan Ingram, you're probably starting him he is healthy which is good so enjoy it while it lasts but again this is a tough matchup and lastly titans at broncos uh here we go uh courtland sutton is questionable for this game he should not be in starting lineups this is a late game on monday night football it's the last game of the week so if you if he misses this game which i i think it's less than 50 percent likely he's going to play you have no alternatives you can't be taking the risk on monday night football of him being inactive if you follow my draft board you don't have to worry about this because you don't have squirtland sudden on your teams but if you do it's just too bad so sad you have to bench him for week one for someone healthy i would say the same thing too bad so sad kind of situation for kenny galladay for mike evans there's a lot of guys who are for some reason just dealing with injuries it's probably because um they didn't get preseason. They didn't get a full training camp. They didn't get mini camp. So the players are a little more out of shape. We could. That's why I probably were seeing more hamstring pulls and, and minor soft tissue injuries like that. Uh, that would be my explanation, uh, at least. But I am not a doctor. But either way, I'm having all those guys who are questionable or who may be limited out of my lineups. Right? It's week one. I've already explained this. You you don't have to worry about bye weeks. Your bench players are healthy. Let, just get them in. Like, d- just don't take the risk. I'm not taking the risk of a goose egg, especially on Monday Night Football. I don't want to go out there and get embarrassed on Monday Night Football in front of everybody. 
And again, I'm guessing that Cortland Sutton does not play anyway. And that would boost Jerry Judy's stock, especially with the Dory Jackson, the Titans' top cornerback, ruled out for this game. But I'm not chomping at the bit to force Judge Judy into my lineups. But I am intrigued. I think Cortland Sutton's absence also boosts Noah Fant. I feel better about using Noah Fant than Jerry Judy. I think Noah Fant is a top 12 tight end option this week. I am not comfortable with playing either either Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. And look, what? Oh, geez. Let me repeat that. I am not comfortable playing either Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. There we go. In what looks like to be a timeshare. And this game does set up nice for Derrick Henry because the Titans backup running back, Darrington Evans, has been ruled out. The Titans also only kept two running backs on their roster. So Derrick Henry will get most to all of the snaps at running back, which is great for Henry. Uh, But it could be a little interesting in the Denver altitude uh, before players are really in shape. uh, Denver is a tough place to play in week one and week two before players are fully in shape. And without a sub for Derrick Henry, uh, that might, he might get a little winded there. So don't be surprised to see that, um, which is just interesting for Henry because he's one of those players who kind of thrives in the fourth quarter. So we'll see how this goes, but this projects to be a massive usage game for Derrick Henry, although I just don't love the situation here, but you're starting Henry either way. The Broncos did lose uh, Von Miller for the season, their best defender. And edge rusher, edge rusher Bradley Chubb is questionable. And they also cut starting inside linebacker Todd, Todd Davis. Uh, my speech is, is failing me at this late in the game. And this and it's good that we're in the last game here. Henry will be the focal point, of course. I like A.J. Brown here because the team let Chris Harris, their top cornerback, walk in free agency. I'll be rooting for tight end Johnny Smith to make some noise and become the Titans' number two target for Ryan Tannehill, but it's a little ambitious to be starting Smith in this spot. So yes, Derrick Henry, yes, A.J. Brown, and that's kind of it for this game, honestly, in terms of like who I'm feeling really confident in starting. So it could be a low-scoring game here. Uh, lastly, uh, the last thing I'll do, Uh, For this podcast, I think that a lot of people always have like, okay, who do I, you know, they're streaming the kicker and defense position. So I'm just going to go through some, uh, my top 12 kickers and defenses Uh, today. I'm just going to list them. I'm not going to explain why, Uh, but for the kickers, it's mostly because they're in positive game scripts. Uh, You want your kickers to be going into winning matchups and you want them to have good offenses, offenses they're going to score. You want to avoid bad weather, obviously. There's a bunch of different reasons for kickers, but here are my top 12 kickers this week. And after the starting four, or the big four, I should say, Will Lutz, Justin Tucker, Greg the Leg Zerline, and Harrison Butt Kicker, who already played, I feel like all kickers are pretty much streamable. So if you have another kicker who's not listed here, then maybe you might want to go drop that kicker for a guy that I am going to list here because you're just going to be playing matchups a kicker anyway. So here are my uh, kickers 5 through 12 that I am streaming for round one. Lions kicker Matt Prater against the Bears. Steelers kicker Chris Boswell against the New York Giants, number 7. 49ers kicker Robbie Gold against the Cardinals, number 8. Seahawks kicker Jason Myers against the Falcons, number 9. Colts kicker Rodrigo Blackenship, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I think he's a rookie. for uh, He's playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so I like that spot, although we do need to watch the weather there. Uh, Bills kicker, same situation. He is also a rookie. Tyler Bass against the New York Jets is a great matchup, but we do need to watch the win there. Uh, Patriots kicker Nick Folk against Miami Dolphins. Titans kicker Steven Goskowski. Yeah, Goskowski plays for the Titans now, by the way. Uh, against the Denver Broncos. Uh, It's always nice to start kickers in Denver because of the altitude. And lastly, Eagles kicker Jake Elliott against the Washington football team. That's another one, although I'm not too, too confident about that one because I think that's going to be a closer game. The other kickers, I'm picking kickers that I think they're going to win their games. Uh, Because again, you do not want your kicker um, on offenses that are going to be trying to score touchdowns in the second half, trying to play catch up and go for it on fourth downs and go for it on two-point conversions rather than settle for field goals and extra points. So, that is why you want kickers on winning teams, and that's why I listed the kickers I did. For defenses, uh, same situation here. You want positive game scripts for your defenses so they can just kind of sit back and rush the passers uh, and try to get sacks and turnovers in the second half of games when, they're often, when their teams are leading in games. So you don't want to be starting defenses in games where their teams are likely going to lose the matchup. So accordingly, you're starting the Bills against the Jets. Of course, you're starting the Steelers. You're starting the Ravens. You're starting the Patriots because those are all must-starts. Even you know borderline 49ers, even though they have a tough draw against Kyler Murray. Murray was a very sackable quarterback last year, and the Cardinals do not have a good offensive line. So you're starting those top five defenses. Uh, in terms of streamers, uh, number six, I like the Colts against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Jaguars. Number seven, I like the Titans against the Denver Broncos, especially if Quentin Sultan doesn't, doesn't play. I like the Chargers uh, getting Joe Burrow in his first start, which, you know, maybe Burrow lights up the league, maybe not, but I like but I like the Chargers' defensive line uh, to make things difficult for Burrow against that weak Cincy offensive line. I like the Saints at Tampa, or sorry, against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, everyone projects it to be a high-scoring matchup. I think it's going to be somewhat low-scoring, actually. And I think without Mike Evans, the Saints could have a chance to make life difficult for Tom Brady in their debut. Hopefully, that they do. Uh, the Lions against Mitch Trubisky's Bears is obviously a pretty good player, better than the Lions normally would be where you wouldn't even consider them, but it is against Mitch Trubisky, who is, if you want to start your defense against any quarterback, it's probably Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Eagles uh, defense against the Washington football team, I'm not too, too confident about that again because I think that game's going to be close, but the Eagles are projected to win, so we will start them. And lastly, I'll say the Cowboys against the Rams. Same situation there. That might be a high-scoring game, uh, but... You know, I got to put a 12th there. Not a lot of defense, great defensive plays this week, so Cowboys would be my last one. But if I'm streaming options, I'm mainly looking for to see if the Colts are in free agency, to see if the Titans against the Broncos are in free agency. They got clowny now. To see if the Chargers are in free agency, or to see if, you know, maybe the Lions or Saints there. So anyway, that is it. That will conclude today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck in week one, everybody. See ya.